Welcome to the Bag Drop Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your co-host, Matt Constein, here with our co-host, the professor, Kevin Moore. Professor, how are you this morning? I'm feeling good today. I'm real excited about today. You know, it's been a great beginning of the year. And, you know, as much as maybe my best golf might be behind me, or maybe there's some in front of me, not much gets me revved up more than being around a bunch of good golfers and listening to them and learning from them and just seeing the passion that comes through them. So I am very excited about today's today's pod and, and, and getting to let these guys talk some golf. Our, our first episode of the uh, Roundtable series has arrived. Uh, you've heard us kind of tease this out on earlier shows. We wanted to get some more members of New Club involved. You know, one element of the, the show that has been really fun is just uh, the community around it and and getting different notes and messages from people. But we wanted to to hear from from them. So we started to kind of segment, you know, all the different ways people can enjoy the game of golf. And uh, one of those, for a lot of people, is competitive golf, right? So the professor and I put the member roster out and we started ch- going down the list. And today we have three exceptionally talented and exceptionally competitive golfers with us uh, all members of New Club, all uh, uh, still active, competitive amateur golfers. This is not a professional pod. We should definitely sh- call that out. This is uh, maybe a couple of them have thought of that, so we could maybe bring that up in the discussion, Professor. But this is about competing in the game. And as that quote goes, I don't know who said it, Professor. It was there's golf, and then there's tournament golf, and I think that's true. And and for everybody listening, I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of people that will relate to what we're going to hear today. But you know, if you aspire to play in the club championship this year, if you aspire to win the club championship this year, if you aspire to finally beat your father-in-law or impress a, a brother or you know whatever your competitive uh, goal is, I think this there's a lot of nuggets that we're going to get because. Frankly, I've gone to this group right here in the past for my own tidbits on how to compete and you know, how, how to play golf at the highest level, which is not golf by itself with nothing on the line is pretty difficult. With something on the line, it becomes exceptionally difficult. So I'm really, really pumped to have these guys on the show today. Yeah, and I think, you know, the level which we're going to be talking, I think, is the more I've read about the history of the game and thought about competitive golf and then the evolution of professional golf we've had recently. To me, this is the soul of competitive golf, the group we're talking to today, right? So remove the, the professionals. That's a whole different world now. We're no longer slamming trunks and traveling place and having to work out of a pro shop. That that professional world's gone. I mean, there's some people doing it in their section and stuff, whatever, but not the PGA level. You know, the, the high-level AM stuff has become very much, you know, the cocktail tour. That's pretty much semi-professional golf at this point, right? A lot of those guys aren't working 40, 50 hours a week, trying to put food on the table and also, you know, compete at a high level in the mid-am or am level. And the college kids now, where how sophisticated and mature they are by age 25 is unbelievable when they get done, right? And they come out just barn burning. So that, that, that world's different to me now. But this is the group, right? All these guys are taking time away from their job to talk to us today. They take time away from their jobs to to play competitive golf and play high level competitive golf. And that's, that's the soul, right? That's still embracing that human condition and the, the human relationship with golf. So, so we're and talking, to the, we're talking to the real golfers today. I'll be honest. And before, before we get to your fun fact, I, I started knowing I was stuck to such a caliber of talented golfers. I couldn't get, I got, I got right out of bed this morning. I started thinking about questions and I pick up a club with a, like a grip cause I haven't been hit at all. 
And and I went outside at like 7 a.m. It's 42 degrees out today. Nice warm day here in Northeast Ohio. And I'm taking rips. And my wife's like, are you all right? Is everything okay? I was like, yeah, we got some players on the pod today, honey. I want to feel good about my golf swing. Um, so uh, one, one, one thing before we get to your fun fact today, and I think this is good because we're talking competitive golf. I did make some simulator reps uh, the other day. Oh, how'd that go? And, and it, you know, it was a little messy to begin with, but it felt pretty good uh, getting ready for, you know, a busy season of golf here. I wanted to ask you, Professor, do you ever have any like small things that it, it just clicks and it makes instant results in your game? Like for me, I, I'll give you an example. I uh, was, was hitting pole hooks with the driver in a simulator, right? Not real golf. We're, we're just making, you know, in a vacuum, making nice swings in a sim. But I, I was just hitting pull hooks, which is definitely a miss for me. And then I do this little alignment thing where I just line it with, up with the toe of my driver to the ball. And, and it's something that like came to me from years. I haven't done this in years. But, but pull the, the club back towards me and the toe of my driver is lined up with the ball. And I just started hitting rippers, like just pumping them five-yard draws. And I gained like 10 miles per hour in my swing speed after this. And so I'm just like, Golf is so stupid, man. Like I could, you know, and and guess what? Next week it'll probably be just something different. But do you have anything in your game like that? Like little things that you find sometimes that that change everything? Oh, you're talking about the cheat code, right? The cheat code. I gotta give yes. my I gotta give my my high school coach that honestly changed my game, changed my golf life. Greg Leggett, a shout out. I've never met anyone more keen to identifying that in players and for me i've always been if i can find one feel going into a tournament round just one feel it could be in setup it could be in my swing or bowed wrist whatever it is if i can find one feel and concentrate strictly on that that's when i always played my best golf and when pressure didn't matter and my high school coach was always amazing at just finding that one thing for you i could go to him the day before a tournament and traveling i could be in the woods and we he'd work with me for however long we'd find that one thing and boom, off and running, right? I could go from not breaking 80 to shooting under 70 every round. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a big believer of the cheat code. Obviously, nothing replaces hard work and just digging, digging it through the dirt. That's, you got to be doing that too. Because when you're doing that, then that, that gives you more time to find that cheat code. And once you get it, run with it. Because it might last, like you said, a week. Sometimes you get one that lasts a few months. I'm a firm believer every once in a while you get one that lasts, you know, 16, 17, 18 months. Um, rarely longer than that, but if you get it, run with it, embrace it. Don't, it's not, it's not voodoo. It's not magic. It's, it's, it, it works. It, this is so contrary to our entire episode about six ways to play better, how there are no shortcuts, how it's all found by practice and play. And, and I'm just like, no man, move your driver, you know, we'll be on <laughs> tour. That's it. Um, and before we get to the, the uh, well, that's, you got any fun facts for today? Sorry, I, I derailed us, but how about a fun fact for the group? Yeah, year of creativity for me. You know, that's that's where I'm at, trying to just open up my brain. We got a couple of new awesome research projects going, and I'm leading some some wonderfully wonderfully talented graduate students. So I have to get in the brain space of like open up possibilities so they can run free too, and I'm not not boxing them in. Um, so I've been reading a big a book called Big Magic. It's by the same author. It's Eat, Pray, Love. A colleague who suggested to me, and that's why I'm reading it. Good book. I wouldn't call it a great book, but it's got some does have some great pieces to it. And one of the interesting aspects, it was going into the mindset of creativity. And one of the things that it makes clear is creativity is not just about artists. A lot of people hear the word creativity and they think of art. So musicians or, you know, painters, that sort of thing. Any, anybody that's creating is creativity, right? You created 
new club. That's a creative act. You're creating something to put out in the world, right? So first of all, everybody's creative because everybody's a creator. Um, but what this book really got into is like we develop these internal narratives whenever we're put in these positions of creativity being difficult, right? We're not good enough. We're not smart enough. We're not going to create anything new. Um, let me think of some of the other ones. We're, we're a perfectionist, so we just don't push forward, right? We're a little bit unsure of the unknown. What are people going to judge about it? It really gets into that. And one of the things that really resonated with me in terms of mindset and on some of the research around creativity and the mindset going in, choose curiosity over fear, right? Anytime you're going into doing something creative, you're going into an unknown. So ignore the product. Yeah, you're going to create something and put it out there. And certainly some of it's going to get bashed, maybe a lot, maybe just a little bit. Some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. So ignore all that and just be curious going into the process of creativity and being curious about the product, um, the project itself. And that kind of releases you from the judgment you're going to get around there. Also, if that mindset doesn't work, think of the fear aspect. Fear's unoriginal and boring, right? If you respond to the fear, you're doing what everybody else is doing, not actually following through and trying something out, right? And then you just sit there going through your normal day-to-day activities. And that's boring. And that's unoriginal, right? At least if you lean into something, you create something original. People might not like it, but at the end of the day, if you've created something original, at least you've created something for yourself that you can say, well, I can own that. I created it. And I, and I took the chance to do that. Um, so either embrace the curiosity or look at the fear that's in front, in front of you and just like acknowledge, that's boring if I listen to that. Like, I don't want to live a boring life. I want to live an exciting life. That's, I love that. I mean, my head immediately obviously went to a new club and trying to build things and figure things out and work with captains to design new leagues and formats and technology, all that. But the other thing my my head went to when you're saying it is uh, uh, cooking. I mean, that's Mm. been an undertaking for me and and my household for a while now. And it's like, I still have a little fear every time I step in the kitchen of like, you know, a bunch of different things, undercooking something, just the kids not eating it, my wife hating it, like all these, like, but there's really... One, one of two outcomes, either eat it or they don't. And and there's nights where I just completely miss the mark. Nobody likes it. I'm scarfing down the terrible thing that I made because I just have to, right? But that that's where my head went. It's like there's, there's simple little creative outlets too that you mm-hmm. can have in life. It doesn't have to be this grandiose thing. It, it can be like little things. So every night in the kitchen, I'm a little bit f- fearful, but I need to be more in like, oh, what if I try it this way? What if I try it that way? You know, that's that's awesome. Um, fun one for us today to get into. So we should just get to it. But I do have to thank our partners, Titleist, for another year of Quest for the Crown. Uh, we're going to be announcing our annual member competition, Quest for the Crown, uh, for all of our members coming up here soon. Uh, big giveaway this year from our friends at Titleist. Can't, can't talk about it yet. Can't even talk about it when we announce it. That's how special this grand prize is for our winners this year. So we'll, we'll allude to it. But just trust us. We got a great grand prize from our friends at Titleist coming this year. Also, some really cool experiences coming up with them. And, and that's the thing that I think, as is, is everyone knows that listens to this show, you know, we're, we're not here to slang product. This is just a show about the love of golf. Like, that's what we're here to talk about. And it's been really cool to, to see them just support our authentic yeah. joy of this game. You know, like, that's what it comes down to. I mean, the whole wedge thing, like, we're having on the wedge fitters for Titleist, not to sell Titleist Bokies. We're having on because we seriously got questions for him. Like Kevin yeah. went through this fitting. I haven't done mine yet. 
We want to talk about the bounce and the soul and the grind, and we want to talk about all things wedges. So thanks to Titleist just for continuing to support our show and support uh, New Club and our membership. Uh, and then last thing before we get to our guests, thank everyone for listening. You know, I think 2024, Kevin and I really have have told ourselves this is the, the year of community and we're trying to get more people involved. That's why we're having the roundtable today. But if you are enjoying listening to the show, uh, give us a, a review or, or rate us or subscribe or follow whatever it is on your podcast channel that you listen to. Um, do that for us because that helps us get get more people involved. And, and that's really been the joy of, of both New Club and this show. Uh, speaking of, Professor, a little treat for the audience. We got an email. People, people, I, I've deleted a lot of social media accounts from my, uh, from my device. And I, I feel terrible that there's like Twitter messages sitting out there and Instagram things that I haven't responded to. So uh, we're going to do an email, thebagdrop at newclub. Uh-huh. Dot golf the uh-huh. bag drop at newclub.golf so uh shoot us an email if you if you uh like our our guests today and you want to connect with them shoot us an email if you hated them and you want us to throw some shade their way shoot us an email um but the the bag drop at newclub.golf is a new uh, a new email for everybody so without further ado should we get to our show special guest mike king will hannah kent monis welcome to the backdrop. Good to be here. Hi, everybody. Great to be here. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Kevin. We got a lot of introductions to get through. Kevin and I already ate up way too much time in our our uh, our in- interlude to the show. But, uh, gentlemen, you're on the on here for a couple of reasons. One, you're all good dudes. You're all good dudes. But the second is our topic today is competitive golf. And each of you have achieved some cool things in, in that field of competition. Um, so I'm just going to read off some of them. I, I asked for resumes and I didn't realize it was going to be such a bruise to my own ego when you guys responded with uh, all your accomplishments in the game of golf. So if I leave any off, just just know that it's it's not intentional. It's just probably just trying to make the professor and I look a little bit more accomplished. Um, I'm going to start with Mike King. So Mike King is a Chicago honor member for New Club. He is a two-time Sweet 16 CDGA AM finalist. He's a seven-time qualifier of CDGA. CDGA, by the way, for those listening, Chicago District Golf Association. Uh, Seven-time state championship qualifier. One-time qualifier of the USGA championship. That was the US AM Publinks. RIP, I believe. I want to hear about that. And then this one, is my favorite of all everyone's right. Eight-time alternate for USGA championships. And Kevin, that's how I met this guy. That's how I met this guy. Is playing in one of those where he he won the playoff to be an alternate. So um, that that's a great stat. Eight-time. Ooh, that's rough. Seven, uh, three-time top five finisher in the Midwest Amateur and Chicago City Amateur. Uh, and then he's past participant in national championships hosted by USGA, NCAA, Western Golf Association, and NCAA Academic All-American. Mike King, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Our, our one question we wanted to ask you guys before we get to all your golf, uh, when you're not kicking ass on the golf course, what are you kicking ass in? <laughs> so it's a busy, it's a busy time at the King house. We have three kids between uh, ages four and nine. So uh, if, if I'm kicking ass at something else, it's probably a highly competitive Candyland game or slapjack game or uh, mini sticks game or whatever the, whatever the kids might want to do that night. But, uh, but it's certainly not letting them win in anything. So 
<laughs> love it, love it. That it's a great time. Will come out in, in this chat. Uh, let's let's go down south to our Atlanta member, Will Hanna. Will Hanna, this is a long list. I'm going to start with the mid-am, uh, the side. So the most most recent, three Texas State Ams. Best finish was third. Five Georgia State Ams. Best finish 11th. Four Georgia State mid-ams. Best finish was 10th. Uh, 2021 Tim Aquana Cup. He had a Tim Aquana Cup. He had a top 10. Uh, 2020 Berkeley Cup. He had a top 10. The Devlin four ball. I've, I've seen him compete in this event. He is a doozy in a four ball match. Uh, T10, T4, third, T8. It's a session golf club. And then 2023 Southeast mid-am four ball champion. So that's his most recent resume. But in college, he was a beast at the University of Louisville. Uh, 2003 USGA Mid-Am contestant. He got in the mid, or, sorry, the USAM. Um, and Conference USA Student Athlete of the Year. Uh, golf stat ranking top 20 fall of senior year. Wow. How about that? And, uh, and then some junior accolades uh, eons ago, right, Will? But uh, the guy's got a lot of game. He he might not be the most polite guest when he shows up at your club and almost tries to beat your course record and beats you by 12 shots. But Will Hanna is here. Will <laughs> Hanna, welcome to the pot. I don't know if it was 12 shots, but I did beat you, so I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> he smoked me on a windy day, and I was like, this guy has maintained a nice golf game because I was giving him everything I got. Will, what's the, when you're not kicking ass uh, at my home club or the professors, what, uh, what are you kicking ass in? All right, for the record, I don't think I've ever beat Kevin at his home course, so we'll leave it at that. Um, but... Um, I, I'm a reformed uh, gamer. I had to put that down uh, over a decade ago because I knew it was going to be a problem <laughs> if I if I continued on console gaming. Um, so I find myself being ultra competitive in things that I'd never practiced, like uh, ping pong or uh, billiards. I'll get uh, all the guys together. Um, I found a little hot streak on the uh, the pool table. So uh -oh. I got a I got a buddy of mine. He may or may not listen to the podcast, so I won't reveal the name. But um, I uh, I am undefeated in like ten or fifteen games in a row, so uh, that's always. Uh, that, but the pressure builds, right? So you want to keep the streak alive, and it, it adds to it. So, but yeah, I'd say I'd say those fun games like that are what I what I compete in. Will you you can say his name? Kevin and I are on a streak of Banks Robinson being mo uh, mentioned on at least ten in a row. So keep, keep Banks in mind. Uh, last but certainly not least. Kent Monis. Kent, this is, we should have done a home game here. Kent is in Northeast Ohio. He's a national member of New Club uh, in the great city of Akron, uh, where we're going to be launching a future chapter. It's it's decided that, that Northeast Ohio will be ne next New Club chapter. But Kent has a lot of games. So uh, there's some junior accolades here. Uh, one, some local events. I, I love Kent's story because it was a little bit more of a slower jam into really getting some game later on, which I we want to talk about that, but uh, qualified for state amateurs, played college golf at Cleveland State, was the player of the year in 2011, three-time Horizon League champ uh, as a team, three-time NCAA regional qualifiers as a team. One college win. He says he can't remember where, but it was awful conditions. I mean, talk about not putting much emphasis on outcome. Can't even remember where he won his college event. 
academic All-American, 2009 U.S. Publings qualifier, maybe overlaps with our man Mike King, 2012 USAM qualifier, 2019 US Mid-Am qualifier, and in 2021, I was glued to Golf Genius. He missed the U.S. Open by a couple of shots. Local qualifier uh, missed, missed the U.S. Open by a handful of shots. He told us he was going to play Persimmon out at Torrey Pines if he got in. Kent Monis, welcome to the bag drop. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the, the invite and the discussion and whatnot. So I don't think I would have played Persimmon, but it sure heck would have been a heck of a good story. <laughs> Give me a practice round just to get the, get the buzz around, but I'm a poof. Coming up short. Know. Coming up short of, uh, of of fairways, having to hit out of the rough because you didn't get it to there at Torrey. I mean, they they beastified that thing too, if I remember. Uh, yeah. What when you're not kicking ass on the golf course, Kent? What are you competing in? Well, me and Danielle like to compete, so it's my wife. Um, but you know, it, I haven't played much, but cornhole is kind of kind of my game. I feel like uh, me with a partner. We've we've been to some country concerts and we've we've run the parking lot a few times, so. <laughs> Cornhole, I'm definitely pretty good at. The touch, the touch is still there. So I would have to say that's my thing. Love it. I will uh, get us started with um, a, a simple question, but let's it, it start. We'll go around the same order. Mike King, what is it about competition for you? Like, do you do you still enjoy it? Have you always enjoyed it? I, I absolutely have, Matt, and I'm I'm uh, I'm deeply in love with it today, <laughs> you know, and, and always have been. Um, I love the I love the personal test of it. Obviously, I'm sure we all do. Um, I've certainly found uh, a love for team golf over the years, from high school golf to college golf, and you know, today playing four ball events and the like. Matt, you and I have obviously had the pleasure of playing some four ball events together, and um, but yeah, it's it's a wonderful. I, I love kind of all of that component. I love the feel of it, right? Of you know, being in the being in the moment. You talked in some of the intro about kind of that different different feel of tournament golf, and it's just the the ups and downs and the the prep work that goes in and the the emotional ranges that go. It's just a yeah, I absolutely love the rush of all of that. And, and, uh, I guess final point I'll say is mid-am golf's been just a pleasure, right? I mean, you, you start to spend time with just some really enjoyable quality people that are, you know, Kevin, you brought up some great points in the intro kind of, you know, about this stage of competitive golf and you can see this long runway, uh, into, you know, mid-am golf to senior am golf and, and just a, a fun road to, to run if, if of interest for you and, um, enjoy spending time with the people around it too. So. Well, what is it about competitive golf for, for you? You know, I, I'm people who know me know I'm not a, a big gambler. And I think that bodes for my profession very well. That I'm, I'm very risk adverse. Um, and, there, and, and even with that, there, there's nothing that can replicate like the pressure or the nerves as putting the peg in the ground and, and having to count every shot, right? There's no, you know, raking a three footer or giving your buddy a four footer, right? You have to hold the the ball. So, um, and I think that's what, where I get is it's just a unique experience. And, um, you know, Kevin and I have had this conversation where we, we did fall out of, I took a 10 year break, uh, from anything, but basically country club golf. And, um, when I moved to Georgia, got back into it and kind of what Mike alluded to, it just, I got reinvigorated. I found I was hanging out with like-minded people and the mid-am golf is so much fun because you walk off the golf course and 
you no matter what you shot, yeah, you might be happier, a little bummed, but you have a, a beer or a beverage with the guys you're playing with, and it's a lot of camaraderie. So, but to your you know initial question, I think it's the uniqueness of the feel or um, kind of the condition you get um, physiologically that just can't be replicated except for in live competition. Kent, is it is it, has it always been you know something you've enjoyed competitive golf? Is it come and gone or what? 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 Not not so much. No, um, I uh, I graduated from college and started working as an engineer. And there was five years where if it, if the president of the company said, "Hey, we're going to play in a in a scramble. We need you," I would go play. And you know, we we play Sundays, just drink beer and play golf. But the first five years was like. I want nothing to do with competitive golf. And I fell back into it through architecture. And, you know, I know Kevin does the same thing. And you look at the USGA qualifiers and what good courses you can kind of sneak on and go play and kind of fall back into it that way. But the big thing for me was always prepping for competitive golf, always being ready on that first tee and saying, all right, I've done the work. I put the time in. I know where the ball's going. You know, I know my strengths, I know my weaknesses, and then just being ready to roll. I enjoy, to this day, I hit golf balls almost every day or every other day. And I just enjoy hitting balls. I enjoy getting better. Um, I think golf's the greatest game in the, in the world because, you know, I, and I fall into this trap. One day you shoot 65 and the other day you're shooting 75 and you're just like nothing. I hit the ball just the same and, and you go through and you're just racking your brain. So you, there's always that. You know, yesterday's win does not does not mean tomorrow's success. And I've tried to, the last couple of years kind of like put that into practice and just keep working hard, working hard. And I've always been a big believer. If you put the time in, you put the effort that you get the success, the reward. So. Professor, I know you're chomping at the bit to get in here. Uh, I, I, it needs to be noted, though, before we move on from from Kent. Maybe this isn't the top three golfers within New Club because Kent's wife is not here. And if we want to talk about a competitor, uh, we might need to do a whole pod with Danielle Nalmonis. Congratulations, Kent. Danielle is uh, another fellow member of New Club and, and probably the greatest golfer in University of Akron history. In definitely not the two other chuckleheads that are co-host this pod, uh, but she is a very decorated player herself. And uh, I love... They're, they're, they're an awesome couple outside of golf, mm -hmm. but their, their thoughts on competitive golf is really fascinating. So we'll have to circle her, back with her. and Her, if, her if you resume up to the end of college is incredible. She won every local thing. I mean, her, her childhood bedroom, you just like do a full circle. I've never seen her many trophies in my entire life. It looks like Tiger Woods' like, trophy room under the age of 18. You know what I mean? It's absolutely wild. And she's... She works in golf now, so she's not as uh, sicko as much as I am as far as playing. But we're trying to, you know, transition her back into that. But she's, she's, she doesn't. If she only realized how good she could be, her mid-end career could be legendary. But she just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, had to, and, it, had and, it, and we're happy to have you too, Ken. It's not taking anything away from <laughs> Ken's account. We're happy you're here. I keep well, teasing her that that. She may have been a better golfer than me in college, but I'm a better golfer her as an adult. So I got, you know, that's that's what we're going with. At least the for resume. now, at least for now, right? I had the opportunity to play with both of them in November. And what struck me about her is what sneaky good in the sense of one of the nicest 
people I've ever played golf with on the course. Like I had a fascinating, brilliant 18 holes with both of you, but that's what stood out with me, just how kind, caring, engaging she was. But I could, I could see it in her eye. Like I could see that competitive person deep in there. I'm like, oh, if this wasn't a friendly round, yeah, she'd be, she'd be dragging me up and down this golf course. Um, but we, I, we could dive into all sorts of things. I know some of us have fallen out of love with um, competitive golf and back in love with competitive golf. But I want to touch on some of the highs because y'all have touched on it already. And I think any good competitive golfer you get around, there's something about it that like pulls out. Hey, Will talked about the physiological aspect of it. You know, there's a psychological aspect that pulls something out of you probably you don't get in other places in your life. So I want to take you, each of you to take an opportunity what was your high point in competitive golf? And I don't want to just, don't tell our audience just what it was, right? Like I can't, I can imagine maybe it was the mid-am and get into the round of 32, but what did that bring out in you, right? What was that feeling that you, that you had during that time like um, that just made it special and made it stick with you? Because I think those are the events that keep us going in competitive golf because there's a lot of losses, but there's always those, oh shit, that was special. I got I to gotta go get that again. So what were those for you? I'll start. Um, you're right. Yeah. The 2019 mid-am was great. Um, that was, that was a really cool thing. And, and the best part was, you know, at the time me and Daniel were dating, but you know, she was on the bag, she caddied for me. So, you know, that kind of, that made it special. And the, the match I lost in, in the round of 32, she, she had to fly home for, uh, at the time she was a graduate assistant coach at university of Akron for the the women's team. So she flew home and then I had to carry my bag at altitude. And I think I almost died out there. And, um, so I lost my match. <laughs> so we just blame her, but, um, yeah, it was special. It, it was great. Um, you know, I've had, uh, there, there's one moment that's lasted with me for, uh, gosh, it, it'll be almost 20 years now. And I've had moments of the same, thing happened recently. So I won't, I won't say that it, it's been all downhill from there, but, um, in the, uh, the O three am qualifier, um, I believe it was a course in Houston called black horse. They have a, a North and a South course. If it even still is open or exists, I haven't checked on it, but, um, uh, there was a lot of rain. It was back when it was, I mean, it was a, um, 36 holes in uh, one day and, um, we couldn't finish the round. And so I had to, I had three, uh, three holes left and I was kind of right in the mix. Um, and my playing partners were out and that was a struggle, right? You had to watch these guys play poorly for, and you're trying to qualify. Right. So that's something, a whole nother topic you could probably talk about. But so I go out with a marker and, um, it's just, it's early in the morning and I've got this USGA rules official following me around on a golf cart and I'm playing by myself, which is kind of weird. And, um, there was a very sense of calm and just like, I knew what I needed to do and I had a plan and I just executed it, which doesn't always fall into place when you're playing golf. But I went out and I think I birdied either one or two of the last three and got into a, a three or four way playoff and, um, was like super stoked. And it was probably one of the first times in golf where I found a calmness leading up to because like Ken said, I had done the preparation. I had followed my game plan. I had kind of put it all into place. And so we step up on, and it's a long par three, probably 215, 225 yards, somewhere in that gap. 
And I had to hit a four iron off the tee. And I was the only one in the group to hit a hit the green, let alone I hit it to like 20 feet, you know, put a good putt on it, tapped it in for par, and the other guys made bogey. And one guy started walking to another tee because he thought it was like an aggregate playoff. And the other guys were like congratulating me in the USGA. And he goes, what? It's over? I said, I think I, if I remember correctly, I said, yeah, man, I won. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Pack your bags, um, pal. Yeah. <laughs> but the, uh, the, the whole point of that is there was, there's been very few times where there's that calmness that has stuck with me. And what I found is as I've had success, those moments, I always go back to that one thing. And, and I can remember the drive to the golf course. I can remember the drive away from the golf course. I can remember. It's so vivid, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that really, so I would say that was like, if you could call it like a competitive high point where you just like everything came together and you just want to bottle that and take it with you to every tournament. Um, mm -hmm. It definitely was that, uh, that O three am qualifier. Well, that's so well said. The the kind of calmness in, in in the moment, I think, is a feeling that we've we've all had, and we've all had the opposite feeling too, right? When we're struggling and the world seems to be moving by us really fast, but that calmness is definitely one of those kind of very real feelings that when it's humming along and you're in the in the big moment and you've got control of it, it does feel very slow and calm. That's a great point, Will. Um, and I'll, uh, I, I like what you said too, uh, you know, I'm going to go back to the, the thing that pops into my head is something that was, that was 20 years ago and hopefully it hasn't been all downhill since then, but it is kind of one of those, those key moments I think back on. So, um, I had the, the opportunity to go to a, to, to go to a high school that had a decorated athletic program and was, it was a great, it was a great place to spend, spend the high school years. But, um, for all the success that those sports teams and athletic teams had had over the years, golf was, had not yet been one of them. And, uh, as seniors, we, we were able to, to win a state championship for the first time in a hundred year school history. And, um, the golf program has gone on to have some, some wonderful success since then, but that was really kind of one of those first moments where there was very real and tangible success at a, at a high level with, with an impact and, and some pressure. And that felt like one of those moments that was kind of a building block in the, in the competitive golf landscape that kind of rolled to some team success and various things in college and then kind of. Uh, amateur and mid amateur golf after that. So, um, it was a, it was a fun one personally too. My dad went to that high school, that high school team had my brother on it. So there was just some family, family connections. A lot of that team are still some of my best friends still today. And so it's just, you know, that's definitely one of the highlights as I think back on it, that kind of proved, uh, that team wasn't uber talented either. It was definitely, uh, uh, a, a working, a working team. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we kind of Kevin, to use your, your term earlier, we dug that one out of the, out of the dirt. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, on talent uh, alone in that, in that team for sure, but it was a, it was a fun season and definitely a confidence building moment. So. Yeah, I, I, I I'm going to follow up on this, the, the calmness and, and when something's on the line, cause Quite frankly, it's something, and I've talked to some of you guys about this offline. It's something I've always struggled with: is the the nerves of the moment. You know, I can go toe to toe with people, and I can get hot, and I can make a boatload of birdies. But when doing it under the gun, that's a different story. And I think that's what we're talking about with competitive golf. And um, I, I'm curious how how you guys developed that, because each of you did right, and it's not there all the time. But you know, what did you have to maybe? How do I ask it? What did you maybe have to learn about yourself to, to get there? Because for me, that's what it was. It was like, hey, man, you can't rush through your morning 
and and show up on the first tee and expect to get to that sense of calm confidence that you're going to be able to be cool in the moment. Like, because you're stressing about whatever the heck's going on in the morning, that's going to happen on the 18th green too. So for me, that was always my kind of challenge. But I'm, I'm curious how you guys have, did, was that something you had to develop? You had to learn? Did, it, did you learn it elsewhere? Did you learn it just through, through competitive reps? I had, personally, I had to, I had to learn how to control emotions better. I mean, it was pretty, you know, I, I struggled with some, with some temper and anger items through, through early stages of competitive golf. And, um, that certainly set me back. And I was unfortunately a slow learner on some of those things. But, uh, as I learned how to better control my expectations and my emotions and get more lost in the process versus the results as, as cliche as that may sound, uh, and how to handle some adversity and, you know, maybe not expecting to execute everything perfectly and, and the like that certainly, uh, helped me along that, along that path and, um, paid a lot of tuition over time to get there. But, um, that's, that's certainly been helpful as a, uh, is later in competitive golf for sure. Yeah, Matt, I, I don't know if I've, uh, I really uh, lassoed that thing where I can, I can control it all the time. Um, but I, I will say that um, there's a difference between like um, like maybe having a process or being in, like thinking about the process and then like being in the process, if that makes sense. Um, because you know, for all the books I've read and sports psychologists and all the things we do as competitive golfers, there's always like stay in the process, have a process, just don't worry about the results. Um, the moments where it's it, I've been able to rise to that case. I truly am like, it's like really believing of the process. Like, um, for example, this last in the Southeast mid am, uh, four ball championship with my partner, um, we were rolling along and we were having a, just a blow by blow with these guys in our group. And uh, I came down to a hole and we both hit really poor shots. Uh, and it was like somewhere in the fairway. I told myself, I was like, I just have to make par. Right. And for that one hole, I 100% committed to my process, my pre-shot routine. I picked shots that favored my game. Like I didn't try to manufacture something. Right. And then I went through my process on the green and I told myself, just, just hit a good putt. Right. And I wasn't worried about it going in. I was like, just give this a chance. Or, you know what I mean? So I, I think uh, when I've been able to execute that calmness is when I have truly 100% committed to the process I put into place and truly forgot about the results. And it's easier said than done. And we talk about it. It's a, in the golf sphere a lot, but like 100% commitment. I mean, if you can, like what else in life have you been 100% committed to? And then maybe like correlate that to your golf game. Love that. Love that. Um, as far as that topic goes, I have to give a huge shout out to my mom, um, ex national coach of the year, um, might be one of the best minds when it comes to like development. Like my mom will spend weeks like, uh, researching a subject on anything. We were talking about ground forces and how ground forces in the golf swing relate to softball. So she's she's wired differently and me and her are wired about the same but 
you know, a lot of the stuff she was teaching her, her, her athletes was she was teaching me. So, you know, being in the zone, um, it is a junior tournament one. She made me do this thing where I put my hands behind my head and do like this crisscross thing. And it was supposed to do something to your brain. I looked like an idiot, but you know what it did? It made me not think about, I'm a couple under par. It made me think about, you look like an idiot, right? <laughs> so it's the whole tin cup with change in her left pocket thing. But mm-hmm. the stuff that she did when I was young, I thought it was stupid. She, she'd make me, you know, she made me a recording of, of, um, the affirmation, you're the best putter, you're the best, blah, blah, blah. She would say, before you go to bed, um, I want you to play a perfect round of golf. You hit the drive right down the middle of the fairway, you hit the wedge to a foot, you tapped it in. Um, just, pl- you know, fall asleep doing that. So I, I don't know, when I was playing junior golf, it was, it was uh, I, I wasn't the best. When we were practicing, I was just a normal, normal guy. But when we got to competition and I actually focused a little bit, I always played a little bit better. Now that kind of transitioned later in life, but um, that what she taught me that the self belief, you know, what Will said, you know, being a hundred percent committed to the shot, kind of being in the zone. Um, there's a movie um, I can't remember, but it's uh, is it Bobby Jones where or or whatever where where he gets in the zone and like everything disappears. Mm-hmm. So the greatest, you know, the greatest game in, has that. Yeah. yeah. When I'm in a competitive situation, I'm on that first tee and I'm literally like, there could be explosions going around me, but the only thing that matters is my target. That's that's, I put a hundred percent of the focus into the target and that's how I've played competitive golf, you know, since I was, in, you know, a junior golfer pretty much. And, you know, her instilling that in me kind of helped you know, later in life and stuff. So the, you know, that, that hundred percent focused is, and it's not something you can teach overnight. It's, it's a very, uh, long drawn out process. So. I, I will say the professor, your, your mother was on something there with the visualization before bed. The professor is so advanced in this stuff. He visualizes while he's sleeping. <laughs> And he's been doing that on on team buses. This is a running joke on the podcast, guys. Like the professor just visualizes. That's the only way he practices anymore. It's just he's just sleeping, and he's. I was like, "What are you doing? You're taking quick." He's like, "No, I'm visualizing." It's like, "No, you're sleeping. You can't." Coach hating on my nap time. <laughs> and I know Kevin probably knows this. There's a there's a story someone tells where a guy was in cap. He was captured as a prisoner, and he didn't. He was captured for, I don't know, five or some years and he couldn't play golf or something. But every day he would visualize playing golf. And he was, before he was there, he was a 10 handicap and he went out and shot like 72 or something like that. And he didn't play, he didn't practice, but the visualization is what made him shoot. And it's like, well, I mean, your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and whatever. So, right. you know, you have those moments driving home. Why not? Or you got your laying in bed, you can't fall asleep. Why not? So, it's a key key secret to getting extra practice in is to do intentional visualization. Um, yeah, to, backed by research. Uh, can you touched on transition? Um, use that phrase there in, in your response, and I want to dive into that a little bit. You know, we're all a little bit older in this group, and I think with age comes perspective, right? And we're able to reflect on on our history. In this case, competitive golf, and I'd like to each of you comment. You know, what's what to you? What's gotten easier with golf? in competitive golf, but also what's gotten harder in terms of that? I mean, the harder is finding time to practice. I mean, you know, as an engineer, we've got a lot of projects going and we're a big growing company. So, um, 
finding the time to, to put it together is tough. In 2019, I was working at another company and, you know, it was four o'clock and I could go home and I'd go practice. And it was great. From four to seven, pretty much every day I'd go play nine holes of practice. And that was the best year I played because I actually had time to practice and time to, you know, devote to it. Now it's a little harder with, you know, you, you have a project due. So, you know, the, the time's not there and you make the best of what you have. But, um, yeah, I, I, I guess that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the gist of it. Um, you know, ain't, ain't on the golf for course, you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I think mentally, <laughs> mentally it, 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 you know, all that practice has paid off. My golf game's probably gotten a little shakier, but mentally I feel like, you know, I'm probably not the best, the best swing, the best golfer, but I will outthink you on the golf course or I will, I will focus more and I will turn 74 into 71 because uh, I'm a little more focused. So the mental side is, is always kind of been there. That that's something that's always kind of gotten better, I guess. I, I, we we got to go to the father of three for the perspective question. I mean, if this was a PGA <laughs> Tour interview, you can't talk about chil- perspective without children. So, uh, Mike, what about that, that Kevin's question for you? Yeah, well said, Matt. Results certainly get uh, it put in quick put in quick context. Leaving the golf course, or you know, after the after the friendly beverage after the round with the, with the mid am colleagues, but. Um, but yeah, practice is, I think I agree completely with Kent, right? I mean, practice is, is really difficult to come by. I'm in a similar, it sounds like professional situation, works intense. There's a lot of hours, um, husband responsibilities, father responsibilities. And so I get to practice a little bit over the winter, but then it kind of becomes a trade of, am I playing or practicing? And I've always been a little bit more of a, a player than a practicer. And I found that works better for my golf game. And I, I enjoy it a little better. So if I'm going to, if I'm going to have the golf time, right. In the family and professional calendar, it's probably going to be more towards the playing side than the practicing. So that part is definitely, is definitely hard. And, uh, I do agree that the, the the easier side is, is this, is the strategic decisions, right. And understanding how to, how to play the game better. And it's been, you know, I think you look at, you know, what is, is data taught us over the, you know, the past number of years, right. As we've learned more and more about this and that's been enlightening to me, certainly, right. To know that the best players in the world hunt with shotguns and not rifles and, you know, picking targets uh, appropriately and, um, the value of, of being aggressive at times, but, uh, with, with, with certain clubs, but being very target aware, uh, with, with others is, is just, I mean, there's been so many things that that's, that that's helped us. And I think that that part has definitely made the game a little easier by studying that and being efficient with time. Right. And I think that's, those are things that any, you know, I, whether I'm talking to, you know, the, the work colleague or the close friend or the aunt or uncle, that's a, you know, 10, 15, 20 handicap, or, you know, we're, we're talking about it at mid am golf level or, or above. Right. I mean, that's a, that's something that anybody can start to understand as ways to Matt, to go back to some of your points earlier, you know, how do I, how do I play a little better on the buddies trip this, this, this year, or how do I play a little better in the club championship this year? Or, you know, how do I, how do I beat the, the, the dad that I've, you know, that I've been chasing for years or whatever it is. Right. Um, I think that's definitely a, a great area of just better decision-making, understand strategy, understand shot dispersion, things like that can really start to inform and improve play. That is a great point. That's something I've learned a lot about. Yeah. Yeah. I think as we get older, uh, it feels like ego starts to 
fa- at least for for my experience, like egos faded a little bit, and I've I have like a just a more same confidence I probably had as like a swaggerish twenty year old, but uh, I also like just have a real sense of my my abilities and a real confidence in them. Right? It's not like a telling yourself that it, it is. Um, it's it's actually based on some data and based mm-hmm. on you know some um, a lot more experience. And and working with within that and commit more commitment really because of it. Uh, what about you, Will? What's what's uh, gotten easier for you? What's gotten harder? Um, so I, I'll start with easier, and 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 maybe I I certainly can't be alone. But growing up, I loved to hit golf balls. I loved to like get out there. I'd like start with a four iron. I just wanted to like hit the sweets. I just wanted to rip driver or whatever. But I found. Um, and, and this is not planted and I'm not trying to make a shameless plug, but I did go out to uh, Titleist and did their wedge fitting at their facility in Oceanside. One of the coolest things that I've ever done. And I would mm-hmm. suggest anybody who's thinking about it, anybody who wants to learn what a wedge is true, truly is and what it's used for. Cause I had no idea I'd spent so many years and I, I, I remember the fitter going, you're using this wrong. And I was mm-hmm. an okay short game guy, but I have, I have. It's a weird found, thing to hear. And it, it is. You're it just, really is. You're just you're using, using a golf wrong. club incorrectly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's, I've fallen in love with the short game and I, I, I need 2024. 20, my year is to kind of practice what I preach when I talk to other people. It's like, if you've got 30 minutes to pra- go practice your short game, if you've got, because nothing translates in my opinion, better is like you can hit the ball okay, the whole shotgun thing we were just, you know, uh, that Mike mentioned, but your short game can make so much. So I found I hated practicing short game when I was younger. I thought it was boring, and now I think it's the most interesting thing to do. So it's easier. I just need to do it more. I need to kind of that, that whole discipline thing. Um, what's harder, and it, you know, I'd love to hear everybody's perspective on it, is that transition to now you're the old guy in the competition group, right? You're the 40 year old dude that you, we were playing with when we were 18, 19 going like, what is this guy doing here? Um, and then like playing with younger, uh, uh, players and you know, there's that disparity of life experience and I'm like quoting old school and they're like, what movie is that? I was like, oh, it was 20 years. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You were not alive. So <laughs> there's those realizations. And I think that is is becoming... So what that translates to is sometimes it can get... If you're playing in AM events like State AM or USAM, it becomes a kind of an isolated, very lonely like experience. And then it drags on. We always talk about pace of play. I mean, I can't remember the last time I played a competitive round of golf at a USGA, GSGA, CDGA, whatever, less than five hours. And that's become very difficult as, you know, you, we've got family lives and business lives and all that stuff that that extra time is, is really difficult for me. I, get, I think I find myself getting frustrated with that. I'm like, what are we doing out here? Like, let's just put the ball on the ground and go. Like, we all know how to play this game. Let's just move it along. And um, that fighting that has probably been the struggle, right? Is fighting staying just calm and, and realizing that this is just part of it. <laughs> I, I think I've, that was definitely a struggle last year in 2023. So I see a lot of nodding along. I'm going to stay away from the pace of play thing. Cause I think I, I thought about asking the question. I was, I was like, talking talk about a, a verter, man. That is, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole uh, nother pot. I, I know. Like, I know. 
I had on our queue, like, what's one thing you would change about competitive golf? I think we'd all maybe say pace of play. So we're going to stay yes. away from that, I think. Shot clock. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, shot everybody play quicker. That needs to be brought back into competitive golf. Playing efficiently is a skill, and it needs to be tested and rewarded more than it is now. So let's stay away from that one. But that's I want to dive into what you brought there. You know, all y'all had very decorated junior careers. And I think all five of us, you know, were talented junior golfers. And, and at least for me personally, maybe I'm projecting here, but with youngness comes ignorance, right? So it's like, well, not that you're ever thinking I'm the best, but you never even think about that. Am I the best or is that person better? You're just like, I'm really good. I'm going to keep playing golf. I'm going to try to win this. I didn't win it. I'll go win the next one. But I think with age and especially on the mid-am level, now, you know, you're playing the 25-year-olds and it's like, well, shoot, I can't, you know, on a 10-round basis, I can't keep up with them. Maybe I get them for three. Do y'all, have y'all struggled with that at all in terms of like thinking, comparing yourself to other amateur golfers as you got older? Has that been something you just haven't thought about now? I put it on your mind. So you're going to be mad at me for the next few years. <laughs> you know, how, how have you dealt with that? Because I think that's something all, everybody in competitive golf deals with, right? Especially as they get older, if they're competing for their club championship or the member guest, right? There's this, oh, I want to be better than the other person. And with age comes perspective. And that's something then you have to start dealing with. So you guys have to wrestle with that at all? Or is that something you just, leave in the rear view and just keep moving on i'll start with that one i i don't think so i i um and i don't know if it's the the, the mental stuff but and i you know I, I i may be way off course but i have a lot of self-belief i feel like i mean i'm gonna be my biggest fan because why not you know, uh, you tell me I can't do something. Well, I, I disagree. So I've got a ton of self-belief. So, you know, that 25 year old with 185 mile hour ball speed who hits it 40 yards from the green wall, my hundred yard wedge shot's going to be closer. You know, I, I, I take that on as a challenge and, and, you know, you may be right. Maybe he beats me. Maybe he beats me five out of four times or something, but, we're playing a qualifier and it's one round qualifier, 36 foot qualifier. And I, I think I can get them. So that self-belief though, I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I'll, you know, to piggyback on to what Kent said, I think you realize that, you know, when I play, I I've had the, the, I guess been blessed to continue with my, you know, alma mater and host those guys. And I mean, you can't like, there's no way I watched them hit the golf ball. And I'm just like, that sounds different. Right. And it's not saying that I can't do that. It's saying that I like, there's a, di there's many different ways to play the game. Cause I, I've played with plenty of mid ams who I hit it. I hit it past them. And they're all like, Oh, I'd kill to have extra 30 yards or 20 yards. And I'm like, I would take shot dispersion. You can have my 20 yards and I'll take your shot dispersion. So finding like that's where I'm at, right? Is like, mm -hmm. if I can use my my wisdom, if you will, the number of years I've played the game and, and what we've learned about how to play the game and um, and then develop a skill inside that, okay, that's fine. To Ken's point, you're 40 yards from the green, I'm 100 and we're going to hit at the same distance and guess what? We're both going to have an eight-foot putt or whatever, right? So it's just, um, it's not that I don't think it's setting a proper expectation and like realizing we do get older, the game is going to change, but can you be smart about it? Can you change your game? You know, like find that new skill and then just believe it. Yeah. Why not? Why not be the 45 year old guy who qualifies for the USAM or the mid am or whatever the case may be. So there's one every year. Why can't it be? You? That's right. 
Anything to add, Mike? I, I, those are phenomenal answers. I, I agree completely with them. I love the the last point too of of looking ahead to some of those that are you know maybe a chapter ahead of us in in age or whatnot that are still having a lot of success and saying, well, they figured it out. There's a path here. We can do this. Um, and I think that's that's confidence inducing. And and I think also the visu- visualization is an important part of it, right? We've talked about that through the course of this too. But the self belief and you know understanding, you know, Kent, to your point, your fastball is still pretty darn good and and as good as any on on a day, right? Um, and going back to some of those moments that you've had and when you're really under the gun or the stakes are high and big time USGA events or state events or whatever, and and using that to to have a lot of self belief in that moment you know, certainly appreciate and admire the success of other, other competitors. Um, but have a lot of belief that on any time, any day, your, your, your fastball is just as good, if not better than theirs. So, but I, and I think you gotta go, you gotta approach it that way. I'll, I'll share a quick anecdote outside of golf. Maybe this is like a, a gratitude for golf, uh, type of, of, of thing to share, but pick up basketball. I got assigned an 18 year old named Mario who's we're the same height, six foot one, six two, but he can jump out of the gym and throws down a pretty nasty dunk. I'm guarding him all night, five games, all night. Like I, I was 0-5, by the way, so it had a lot to do with his abilities. But, uh, you know, he was a starter on his high school team and I'm guarding a kid 20 years my my junior. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself, and, and I was, to kind of some of Ken's points, I was just up for the challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and after mm-hmm. the first two losses, I was really getting frustrated, but then I started to realize that nobody else on this course guarding them. I'm the only one stepping up to try this task. And yes, I had to lay in bed for three days, but it was an awesome challenge to, to play against a kid that's at the peak of his game. And I, I, and I was sitting with another guy our age afterwards and we're just joking about, you know, tr- chasing him around and, and having that task. And, and he's like, well, <laughs> we're not going to be able to play in the same game with him for much longer. Like that, you know, like, next year we're just not going to be able to it's not even close but we we were close at this point and i and my mind immediately went to golf and i'm just like how fortunate are we that we can like we're not talking about not even being able to be on the course with the guys we're talking about actually beating them and, and that goes until we're 60 70 like that's such a cool element of our game that if you can stay in some level of fitness and you can you know walk a course for 36 holes and you can, you can compete. You can, you can play with the best players. And, and that's pretty cool about it, about our game. Anyway, back to you, professor. No, that's yeah. That you kind of just summarized the takeaway there. Like I think the best competitors in terms of not the best performing, but just the best mindset is like, you look at it as an opportunity always. And yeah, it is an opportunity to fail, whatever fail means. Maybe that means you don't win or whatever, however you want to define that. But the important thing is you get up and, and you did it right. Nico, um, good buddy, you know, golf blueprint, Nico always talks about this. Like I have an opportunity to use the pencil today, right. In golf, like I get to (laughs) hold the pencil in my hand and and put down a score on a scorecard. Like how cool is that, that you get that opportunity on those days, if it's a match or qualifier, whatever it is, you know, just to have that opportunity, you embrace that and run after it. Even if, even if the cards are stacked against you, you know, and you're 70 and playing a 25 year old that bashes at a hundred yards by you and is the top amateur, whatever it is. You still get to be there and try. Because think of that one time you do clip them, right? I think that's the one you oh, get to, so sweet. Yeah. You get to fall asleep <laughs> to, right? The um, 
what, what does your competitive golf look like moving forward? I think we're on this aging topic. So maybe this is just a follow-up progression of this, but, you know, uh, life, family, work, you know, what, th- those things are only going to increase. So I, I, I'm guessing your guys' competitive calendar isn't going to be as robust as when you were 18 or when you were even 20, 28. What, uh, what as a mid-am does your competitive golf calendar look like? And how do you see it evolving as, as you age? I can go with that one. Um, you know, I, a lot of it dictates on, on the organizations and where they place the championships within the state. I know um, down here in Atlanta, you know, with Atlanta, when when championships are hosted near Atlanta, it's it's much easier when you start getting into the far corners. And, you know, I'm originally from Texas, so to say far corners is, I know that's all relative depending <laughs> on where you go. Where Sometimes a far corner in Texas is a 14-hour drive. But, um, you know, that, that plays a big part of it because you do have to be cognizant of, okay, I've got to play a practice round. I've got the travel. And then if I make the cut, it's four rounds. I mean, that's a big commitment when you're balancing that with family vacations, friends. So kind of what I've looked at going forward is, you know, I have, um, a few tournaments that I always, you know, as, as long as I can get banks to go down with me to secession, I'll the Devlin is a great tournament, right? And we need to see you two back there at some point, right? We need to, but, um, you know, USGA stuff is all very, very compelling. And, um, but I'm finding four ball golf is a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> you get like, it's like the best of all worlds, right? Yeah. You get, you get a chance to hang out with a buddy. You get a, when, when it's your turn to take a hole, there's like the pressure. And then like, when you're out of the hole, you can kind of like relax a little bit and root your buddy on. Um, so I, I'm finding, uh, four ball golf is, is really interesting and hoping to find some, some tournaments to, to play in there. So I would definitely say the, the, the USAM, the state am stuff is probably on its, the waning side. I, I think I'll continue to, to go to compelling, you know, when the, the tournaments can be hosted near Atlanta or a, a site that, that works for me, but, uh, you know, mid am and, uh, and, and four ball golf. And then I know Matt, you and I have had this conversation, like most of my involvement with new club has been hosting and, and being a part like that side of it. Like I want to go on some of these trips that I hear about. Like all I do is read Slack and everybody's how fun they've had. And I'm like, man, was it really worth it grinding through that qualifier? Or I could have been with like these dudes playing some really cool <laughs> golf courses. And so, you know, Northern California next week yeah. is not going to suck. It's, it's not going to suck. It's not. It can play a lot faster too. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you talk to, you talk to a guy like Scott Ford and you, you hear the competitiveness, even in these matches between Atlanta and Chicago. I'm like, there's something there. Like, just because you're not playing in a state association sanctioned event does not mean that you are not generating some juices, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I'm at that point in my time where I'm going to be very selective with what you would call big time tournaments. And I'm going to transition more finding that competitive thing where I can really foster relationship as well. Cause that's more important to me at this stage. I Man, that's I love that answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna amend my question just tad and and kind of ask the next to you like, uh, what is that that outlook? But what is success too? Like, how do you now? Ch- is there a benchmark of success that you've changed? It's a good transition. I, I was just gonna say, um, caddying at Canterbury Country Club growing up, there was always a few members who 
you know, hey, how many member, how many USJ events have you played in? Oh, I played in 27. Like, and you're just like, wow, like, I want to be that guy. You know, I was never going to turn pro or anything like that. But you're like, that's something to like put, you know, put on your top of your tombstone. So <clears throat> for me, it's always been the USJ events. You know, I, I hold them to the highest regard. And, and I know all of us have played in them and, and they are just their first class, you know, from everything is first class. It's, it's my major. So I, I, you know, the U S open, the U S am, the U S mid am and the four ball. Those are, those are the ones I circle every year and I'll play in those probably till the day I die. I mean, I don't care if I'm shooting 90 one day, I'm, I'm going to probably play in those. Um, uh, second part, like what, it, yeah. So what does success look like that transition? So just qualifying, to be honest with you, you know, and, and it's funny how my transition, you know, the first US event I called in, I, I barely, I, I was there. <laughs> I was, I showed up. And then the next one, you kind of get your feet wet and then you're, you know, you're, Third one, you make match play, and you're just like, oh, like you feel more comfortable. You 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 get the you get the the nick of it. You know those people who show after their first one ever and finish top sixteen. Those guys are just unbelievable. I don't know if they have a heartbeat, but you, you get more comfortable when you transition to that. So um, yeah, that that's success for me. But um, I enjoy uh, enjoy the new club trips, uh, Fred Egg events, and uh, hanging out with the buddies. And we play thirty six holes in the amount of time you play uh, eighteen hole uh, qualifiers. So you know, That's just tough, uh, I enjoy that. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true, Mike. Phenomenal answers by Will and Kent. Couldn't couldn't agree more with them. And I, I'll have some some similarities certainly in 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 my response. Um, I'm going to play the four the four USGA events that that Kent articulated with with good consistency. The US Amateur obviously is going through some changes this year, so um, I. Uh, the, the other three for sure I'll continue to play in, in the U.S. Amateur might be a little bit of some scheduling items, but but those four are definitely the majors. I think getting through uh, to the next USGA would absolutely be defined as as success. I am um, had some close calls and am dying to get back there to, to something and, and experience that to to Ken's point, it is, as we all know, it's a, it's an incredible experience. So uh, that's certainly high priority. I'd love to, I'd love to add more to the competitive schedule, but between uh, pr- professional husband and father, it's, it's probably capped at about, you know, five or six events a year. Um, but uh, I, I see a chapter down the road when, when kids are, you know, maybe off to college and, and the like, where, you know, maybe we're, we're getting later into, into mid-am golf or, or senior am golf at that point that I see a, maybe a more robust competitive schedule if, if we can stay, uh, stay focused and stay healthy in, in those points that you articulated, Matt. But uh, I'll add a couple, maybe local events or regional type state events, certainly play the CDGA mid-amateur. We have a couple great events in that space here. Um, and then to Will's point, I, I love the four ball events. Um, obviously Matt, we've, we've played in some of those together. Uh, Brock neighbors is, is a, is a good dear friend and a, and a phenomenal partner and a, a great new club, uh, colleague and friend of the pod. So, uh, we've had some, some nice recent success in four ball events that we're looking to continue to build on and maybe add a couple, couple things too. And, um, so yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun and love that four ball side of it. And we'll kind of round out with, you know, a little bit of that spectrum. And, um, I, I agree. I haven't had the privilege of being on a new club trip yet, but I, I certainly have a, uh, have an interested eye on it and, uh, am looking and, and hoping to find the the right one to, to get worked into the calendar. Cause I, I've heard phenomenal things as well. So. Uh, professor, there's a lot of four ball love in that, 
in that <laughs> answer. And uh, I, I just want to remind you that I am available for a four ball partner uh, coming up here soon. So just no, no pressure, just, you know, publicly on this podcast with thousands of people listening. I just wanted to make it clear to you that, you know, perhaps uh, there is a partner there. Um, but, but four ball, you guys kind of brought it up. And I think this is kind of my last question, and I know the professor's got more, but I, the, my, mine is around casual golf. And I, th- I feel like four ball, if it weren't for four ball, I'll just be completely honest. The, if it weren't for four ball, I don't think I would be still competing. Like, if it weren't for Mike King to, to, to call me up and say, hey, you want to play in the CGA thing? I, I was so just burnt out on the competition and kind of, you know, holding myself to a standard that I just wasn't getting to and, and really disappoint myself, right? And I know you guys have said that, well, that's not what this is all about. Like no one's kind of really focused in on success being about the result, but, but four ball is somewhere in between, you know, that high, high competitive golf and, and, uh, the casual, you know, having some beers with your buddies golf and, uh, and it's still so competitive. And, and even to the degree you guys were bringing up new club, uh, new club doesn't even really have individual events anymore. I mean, we've slowly <laughs> removed all of them. It's like we've just realized that team golf is so much more fun when you're pairing up with somebody and and you have that intrinsic motivation to get better. And and I'm I'm playing in individual events because I play in four ball events because I'm thinking about my partner and I'm thinking well, I want to get some competitive reps under my belt so I'm better for Mike or I'm better for for Kent or Will or Kevin. So. It's it's really cool that everyone thinks of golf as this individual pursuit, but I love this conversation. I love uh, competitive golf because there's really is a community around it that you can build, and that is fuel to uh, chase some of this stuff and keep you going, but in a really kind of healthy way and not like an obsessive you know me 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 way. And I, I just love four ball so much uh, and such a big proponent for it. Um, I want to ask transition that into your casual golf. When you guys are just playing or going out, how do you, do you enjoy it still? Do you have to have a contest to, to, to get yourself going? I mean, you've played so much competitive golf. What is casual golf like for you? I guess I can go. Um, so for me, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a big gambler. I, I, I like to, to win. So we could play for a dollar and I want to beat you, right? Like there's bragging rights to me are way, have way more value and uh, are a better currency in, in, in my world than, than 10, 20, $30. But, you know, having those games, um, I think there are some, um, uh, some of the guys and that I play with here, they've, they've got games and one of them, uh, and I meant to reach out to, to get the exact rules. So maybe there's an iteration of it, but, uh, this game called like kick em. Kevin, are you familiar with kick em? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you are. So maybe, basically, yeah. What's, like, what are the details? The gist of it is, is basically you set a value for the point, right? Dollar, $5, $10, whatever craziness you want to get into. And if you, if, uh, if the player birdies the hole, right, you get a point, right? If a player, you know, so if your opponent pars it, that's just one point, right? For the differential. If you bogey it and the opponent birdies it, that now doubles the bet. If you double it, now triples the bet. If you triple it, now quadruples the bet. And so what I've found is like, you're trying, just like in tournaments, you're trying to minimize your mistake. You're very much like mm-hmm. staying in it because like, you can't just p- pick up and walk off because it's like, hey, you've got, you've got a 
maybe grind a little bit for that bogey and and that's a win for you so that's probably the closest thing but um i don't really i like golf in the sense of i'll, I'll just play it because i want to beat you so i still get up for casual golf um maybe maybe too much like there's times where guy like i either have to kind of pick am i gonna have beers on the course or am i gonna play golf because i can't i'm not one of those guys who like can have a few beers and like listen to music and then somebody go like why didn't you play like your normal self i was like because i can't that's not the, the headspace i can be in so it's like are we if we're playing casual golf are we going to try to post a number and i'm all for that I, I can get down with the best of them on that or are we going to like have some beers jam to some music and 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 that's just kind of the world I'm in right now. Maybe there'll be a day where where that does, isn't the case, but and I know that can be kind of stick in the mud. But just tell me on the first team what we're doing, and then and then I'm I'm in for it, right? I can go go either way. But uh, casual golf for me is still I get excited about it. I know why. I know why. I don't know about Kickham as an 18 par maker. That's how I play my game. <laughs> nobody, nobody has told me of this game that rewards the lack of bogeys. <laughs> I always get, I always get stuck in the birdie games, right? Like where those are privileged, and yeah. I make my two birdies and my one bogey and beat everybody by four shots on a stroke play, but yeah, get my ass kicked on the point system. So, oh, I, yeah, hate, no, I, hate I like, those I like games. those high variance, baby. God, no, I want to be, no, I want to no, be no, free no. to make some double. Will and I play essentially the same game. We would be the worst four ball partners. Now he uh, does make more birdies than me. But our four ball game would be hideous. It would be like five birdies, <laughs> zero bogeys, and yeah. the other teams that's made ten birdies and two bogeys would beat us every time. <laughs> and we birdie the same holes. Right. <laughs> exactly. Par five. Anything? Anything to add to that, guys? I know we're we're getting to time. We want to wrap up, but uh, anything to add there? I love casual golf. I say it gets so fun. I always go back to this story and I tell everybody. Um, Founders Cup, I don't know, whatever it was in, in South Carolina, and I had to give huge nine shots, and I'm a plus two or three, so or 12 shots or whatever it was. And I was just like, well, today's going to be a – today's either going to be awesome or it's not. And I come out and birdied, I don't know, three of the first four or something like that or shot a bunch under, and I clean him up on like the 14th hole, and he's like, I thought this was going to be a better match. I apologize. And I'm like – you know what? I just came out and got it. I love that. And let me set a little context to that. This was, you know, night of the pairings party before our Founders Cup match. Huge had a couple beverages. Kent, the plus three or four in the field. He walks up to his captain. He goes, give me Monus. I want the big guy. And we're all like, all right, you got it. And and that story obviously got to Kent. And yeah, I, I, I just wanted to set some additional context because talk about com competitive. Huge is one of the most competitive guys I've, I've played with and he's a 10 handicap, you know, it doesn't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I love, I love birdie dips. Like you go and abandon birdie nips. We play all day till, till dark birdie nips. I don't think anything is better than that in life. So I love casual yeah, golf. I, I've learned, I, I'll, I'll share it. I, I want Mike, you to add a little bit to it, but just to, I've learned a lot from Kent in playing with him over the last few years, mostly through a lot of this new club stuff. And, and one of our, being a national member, you know, we got, well, I guess we're close to each other, but we don't play locally. That's the funny part. I, Kent and I played, we don't play at home because of life and stuff, but we play elsewhere. And, and uh, being able to find new ways to enjoy it. Like, I always need a match. And that's why I kind of asked this question. I do need a match because my ADHD gets the best of me if I don't. Like, I just need to know what this putt, you know, zone in here and, and, and can it for whatever it means. But 
Kent does a great job of just enjoying the other stuff, you know, and, and taking in the day, taking in the architecture, taking in the whatever it is. And, and I've, I've really kind of learned a good bit from, from my interactions with him. But Mike, I wanted anything to add to the kind of casual golf side of life? So first order for me is, I, and I'm, it, I'm, we all are, uh, we all are golf, golf geeks and, and junkies here, right? It starts with the love of the game, right? And I just, I love playing. I love being at the golf course. I love the feeling, whether that's the, you know, pull the hat down a little lower and it's the, you know, it's the USGA qualifier. It's the round with, you know, your uncles or your friends or your buddies. That's a, that's more the, the casual round. And, um, I'm, I love that whole spectrum of it. I love, I have the, we're, we're being very mindful of, of how, how we do this at the moment, but the kids are showing some interest in the game of golf, which is such a treat. Um, so I love go, you know, going to the golf course with them and chipping and putting for a little bit before we get a bag of sun chips and a Gatorade. And hopefully that's the hook for them to come back again, or, you know, whatever the case might be. But, um, I, I just love all that probably cause I love the, I love the game and I, I love what it's, what it's afforded me in, in life and the, the gifts that it's the gifts that it's given to me over the, over the course of time. And, um, so love all that. I, it, with, with that being said too, I, I, man, I'm, I'm much like you, even if it's the, you know, the, the net game that's, um, casual that, uh, maybe has some music and some beers tied to it. I'd love a little match or if it's the, you know, the, the other end of the competitive spectrum where we spent some time today, I, I love all that, but a little game is always a good thing in my, in my mind. So can I have one thing to that there? So it's funny you bring that up. So a new thing I've been doing in the last couple of years, anytime I like join up with somebody new or I meet somebody new or we were at Old Barnwell, the, the interns we had played with, I always ask, why do you love golf? And I always want to hear the answers they mm-hmm. have to say. And it's funny, the, the broad spectrum of answers. I mean, there's answers where I enjoy the green grass and there's examples where like you, you know, I enjoy because it it's given me everything. It, it, it's incredible. And you, you find out real quick in the round of golf if this person is going to be a lifelong friend or <laughs> this person's just another person you play golf with. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, and shout out uh, Jim Hartzell. You know, he, he, I think I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but, you know, the, the question is, you know, why do you love golf? And I believe his answer is because golf gives you memories to last a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And Great. I absolutely love that. I have it written yeah. on my wall on my desk. And anytime I'm like, man, I hate this game. But, you know, those memories when we were in Scotland and those memories when we were in Ireland, that like those, those, the day, the day I die, those, those are the things that keep you living. Ah, beautifully said. All right. I know we've kept you over time. Last question. We can make it a rapid fire one. A lot of people listening to this podcast um you know might not be competing at the for usga events but they're competing in something that's seen up the member guests this year club championship in their future building towards something right they just um always forget last spring meeting someone had never won something was in my team and we won and it's like i've never won anything golf and now i've won something and just means so incredibly much so that person that's you know ramping up their competitive golf whatever that means could be the smallest thing could be the biggest thing in the world What's the the one little piece of advice tidbit you'd give them as they're like, this is my year, I'm going to push forward, give them that little shot in the arm to help them out this year? Mm. I have two quick ones. And we've talked about, and I'll, and I'll read, maybe it's a good little recap. Um, To Will's point, practice short game and putting. Prioritize your, your practice time there. 
I mean, that's a, that's a quick way to get better. And then point two is make better decisions, understand shot dispersion and make better decisions through the course of the, the golf course. There's a ton of great content out there now. Um, Kevin, obviously you've, you've been, you've been impactful in that space as, as, as others have, there's a ton of great content, get smarter about how you're making strategic decisions on the golf course and practice short game and putting. You'll get better. I completely agree with that. The whole decade, the whole shots dispersion stuff is very, very important, especially if you're trying to cut strokes. It's the the low-hanging fruit for sure. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing is know your strengths and know your weaknesses. If you're not good from 40 yards, don't lay it up on the par 5 to 40 yards. If you're... And if you are at 40 yards, chip that thing in the middle of the green, two-putt go to the next hole. Don't try to take on you know risk that you don't need to take. If you're not a good flop shot person, don't try pulling that off in the round of golf. That's that's exact. That's that's where you're gonna lose a lot of shots. Um, that that'd be my advice. And I'll uh, one thing that I I definitely will practice myself is have your expectations um, meet, uh, match your preparation. Yeah. Right. Have your expectations match your preparation because if you don't have the time because you've got kids or family and then, then pick something and, and set the expectation appropriately. Right. Like, um, I think we can, we can all play better if we do that. And then, and then two, um, something. And I think, you know, Kevin, if you've got the data to back it up, but lower scores are not, what is it? Lower scores aren't made with more birdies. It's with less mm-hmm. bogeys. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you Absolutely. can, if you can, if you can avoid the big numbers, Right. If somebody makes five doubles around, if you turn those in, you just shave five shots off your score. Right. And a lot of times I had a coach, I said, he said, a double bogey is a mental error. Right. And to that point, you've laid up to the wrong yardage. You've, you've, you've taken on more risk than your preparation is allowing you to. So expectations that match preparation and uh, eliminate the, the big, the big numbers. Right. Find ways to do that. So. Yeah, that's a great point. Data backs you up, Will. And also that your point about the expectations too. Like some people take that like, well, if I can't practice, I need to shut it down and not compete. I'm actually someone that slips into that negative narrative where like, because I have to get my full in everything I do. That's just my mindset. So if I'm not able to, then I really hesitate to like go after something. But you can reframe that as like, well, I'm going to go play in this tournament. And what do I want to learn about myself today? Is it just practicing my mental game is it just to learn how am I how much my tee shot right now right like you can look at any competition not in terms of overall score but like this round I just want to focus on my approach shots and being committed to everyone get done with the round who cares what you shot that's your scorecard right did did I commit on every shot you can approach it in that way to help you get over that hump of well I can't give all my time but you can give a little bit and then you can isolate your expectations I mean it could be one shot on one hole for the whole tournament Right. You know, in a pressure situation like out here at the athletic club, 15, the famous Mm -hmm. par three, it's a hard par three. And there's times where my game, when I've been playing last year, I was like, I simply want to make a confident golf swing. I don't care where it goes. I don't make make double. I want to step on the tee and not make a a, a scared golf swing. I want to pick a target. I want to commit to it. And you wouldn't believe how many times if I did that, I didn't care what I shot. I was like 15. I gave it 100%. And that, mm-hmm. that could be the smallest goal. And that's all you need to go out and be competitive. In any, it wouldn't, if you're playing your father-in-law, if you're playing club tournament or a, or a big event, right? So it can, be, it can be super tiny and still be, have some big magnitude. Mm-hmm. That's some good, good advice. I, I, I'll just pile on these guys because it can't really be better than that. But I saw a video of Michael Jordan. It was shared by a golf account. 
uh, Potter's putting, I, I believe, uh, putting coach out there. But uh, Jordan was just saying, like, everybody puts so much emphasis on on the outcome, the shot. He goes, there's one of two outcomes. Either goes in or it doesn't. And if I'm, if it doesn't, well, I'm, I'm going to work on it so next time it does. But I don't care. Like he, it, and it's hard to say you can't just care. But I think you guys, we've touched on so much around calmness, confidence, but commitment. I'm going to end it with that. Like as if I'm a one handicap, I'm trying to get s- scratch, or I'm a five handicap trying to get into my you know, championship flight of, of the new club, club championship this year, let's call it. I would just say that that that's how I would sum it up. It's just be as committed as you can to every single swing throughout the year, and the cards will fall where they fall. But get get yourself away from uh, the you know manager game, think smart, all that stuff you guys talked about. But yeah, I, I like that commitment element as as my last tip. Professor, you got one. Shout out Golf Blueprint, by the way. That's oh yeah, I mean, if you want to get intentional right. practice, check out Golf Blueprint. We'll help you out in that category. Um, yeah, just golf is a self journey. That's what it is, right? And the more you can embrace that with respect to whatever way you play, and especially competitive golf, like and it's just piggyback saying Will's point in a little bit different way. Like, identify what's important to you about that and why you want to play competitive golf, and embrace that, lean into it, and just stay on that path. Right? Don't let the other things distract you. If it's prestige or ego or affirmation, external affirmation, you know, don't let that stuff distract you. Look at that intrinsic motivation of why you're doing it and and stick with that because that's what will sustain and get you through. Well, gents, uh, this was awesome. I mean, talk about a way to kick off our roundtable series for 2024. Like, might be tough to improve on this one, Professor. We got our work cut out for us. Uh, I think we are, by the way. Uh, new club, just like any private club, there's there's the level of competitive golf you guys have played out, and then there's club competition, right? And I think New Club hits a nice, healthy balance somewhere between your traditional private club and you know where you guys are at. But uh, I'll just say it. You guys are all very talented golfers, but none of you are New Club champions, okay? And I actually don't know if you can do it. That's I'll just put the, the, the bogey out there, especially you, Mike, because we have a three-time champ in Chicago and Brian McCarty who's going to come out. He doesn't say much. I don't think he doesn't love the idea of a podcast. But that's one of his strengths too. The guy is a silent assassin. He's the nicest guy in the world. Him at the Dunes Club, I, I think he's gonna go a decade being undefeated if I if someone doesn't, you know, get hot. So I'm gonna put that out there as a challenge to you, Mr. King, and the rest of you. Kent will have his opportunity this year with our first ever national club championship. And and Will, it's it's some there's some tough comp. Hey. Down and Morgan, tell you. Morgan Campbell, Scotty Rolf. I mean, I I played with both of those guys. I see the game. I got to get more points. I got to play more matches. If you, if you yeah, can maybe. call my employer, or if you know, maybe Kevin, somebody could call my. I'll employer say. Do we need to push each other, Will? Do me, maybe me and you need to push each other because I've been absent from that scene too. I, I don't have a belt in in my uh, in my office anywhere here. So no, maybe no we, maybe we need to push each other, and then maybe like. Hey, we're gonna push each other, then end up in the finals against each other. That would be the, that would be the textbook story. Deal. Um, no, no deal. resume is complete. Nobody would want to watch that man, because it'd be so boring. <laughs> so boring. If, if, if Whole Abden bars. Whole Abden bars. <laughs> and they go to the thirty-first hole with thirty Whole. straight bars. <laughs> guys seriously uh thanks for being with us today this is so much fun i hope our audience got a couple little nuggets here but i think what came across more than just 
the, the topic of how to compete, how to be competitive is your guys' love of this game. Mm-hmm. Like you guys have lived enchanted golf lives and I've personally learned so much from playing with you. Um, I, I can't wait to learn more, man. There's so many lessons that this game gives us. And I think competitive golf, yeah, it's just not, don't shy away from it, right? Because it teaches us so much and, and it strengthens the love of the other stuff. And so thank, just thanks for sharing. I think it was really cool for you guys to step up and do this and, uh, and get us started with these, these roundtables. But, um, but thank you. Matt and Kevin, thanks for having us. Gentlemen, pleasure spending time together. Look forward to a golf game together at some point. And uh, thanks for everything you're doing at New Club to make the golf world a more enjoyable and better place. Much appreciated, gents. Absolutely. Here, here. See you, fellas. Take care. What a delight. What a delightful crew that was. I'm ready to go play golf. And I haven't been able to honestly say that like that with this much conviction in the last couple of months, but I'm like, it's nice out. I might go play golf this afternoon. You know, it's, it's so rare that we talk about competitive golf on this show. If you think about it, like that's not the core purpose of our show and it's not the core purpose of new club, but, but man, if you, I always feel like those that try to downplay competitive competition in golf, um, at its core, it is a game that is scored and you can play it so many different ways. Like you got to embrace it. You have to. And, and not only that, it's just, it leads to, like I said, kind of as we we're wrapping up that leads to your enjoy of, of other things. Um, and so I, I thought that those were really a good representation because there's an ugly side of competitive golf. You and I have lived it. Uh, I'm sure those guys did too. We didn't really bring that up, but I, I feel like we, we had three crusaders for a really healthy, balanced uh, way to look at competing in golf. And I, I, I don't, if I pulled up the new club ratings of everybody that's ever played with those three gentlemen, I think they get good ratings because they're good golfers to some degree, but it's mostly just because they're good people and they are really enjoyable to play golf with. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think a lot of people have this image of competitive golf and the best competitors as being these cutthroat individuals. And we often, because we champion them, right? Like the ones that rise to Tiger Woods of the world, um, John Romsnad, they are cutthroat. And that's, that's why they become number one in the world. Um, but even them, we see cutthroat on TV. Like you play golf with those people or, you know, Ken, Mike, and uh, Will here, like a lot of the people are great. At, at the competitive level, they aren't cutthroat in their personalities with those around them, right? There is truly a camaraderie that's there. Um, and I think it's important for people to know that what you saw on this recording isn't just unique to the, the three we have. I mean, they are definitely stand-up guys that are do stand out in the golf crowd. But yeah, there is this camaraderie. And I think it is what you just touched on, that, the aspect of golf in the game that brings people together where it transcends the c- competition in, in the form of beating you. It transcends that. It's about competing with each other with integrity and honor and then sharing the aftermath of that experience together over pints, over stories, over, you know, jabbing each other, right? And having jabs that last for decades where you're just kneeling, 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 right? Like that's that's what it's about. It, I, honestly, instead of a reflection, I was going to tell one more story or maybe two where I, I know I, I talked about Ken a little bit and just him helped me appreciate so many other little aspects of, of the game that I, maybe I wasn't just like, I walked 18 holes one time with Kent talking about ground force. And it was so fascinating and interesting. And, you know, 
I can't even tell you what we shot. I don't know what the match ended at. We had one, but it, it was just things like that. He's so good about appreciating the game. Um, well, two other stories about the guys. So uh, Mike King, you know, he was my four ball partner for the Chicago uh, uh, District Golf Association, their four ball championship. And, um, and, and one of the things with that was uh, he had a bad ankle injury that kept him away for a while. Uh, I thought it would come up. It didn't, but he really missed it. And the fact that, you know, he asked to play and, and was coming back from this injury, that meant a lot to me because I knew how much four ball was getting me back into competing and just loving golf. And so I was like thinking about that. I was like, man, this guy's getting back into the game and he's asked me to help him do that. And I was like, that's quite an honor. Mm -hmm. And and maybe this is toot my own horn a little bit or, or uh, I get an invite to Chicago golf to play the day of our qualifier. And, you know, at a place that I played a hundred times in the Chicago golf where I've never played one of the, you know, one of those cathedrals of American golf. And, and I was such a quick reply to say no. Uh, mm. because of what it meant to me of that camaraderie you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And and Mike, I don't know if he's going to listen to this. He, he doesn't even probably know that. But uh, I, I, it, it meant a lot to me. And, and we played okay. And we got in the championship. And and we, uh, we should have gone further than we did. But uh, it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the outcome. It was more about just helping a guy get back into the thing he loves doing, mm -hmm. which is playing golf and competing. And that fueled my love. And I had a great competitive year that year because of our interactions and our conversations and that, and then showing up in an individual event and seeing the guy that you did that with or seeing other guys that you competed against. And I think competitive golf, that's the thing is like, it reveals so much more. Golf reveals character. Mm -hmm. Competitive golf puts a little bit of stress and pressure under us. And then you have this camaraderie around being under that stress and pressure, being under the gun, being in battle together. And, and you earn respect for others and, uh, it's it's just it's a beautiful thing. Agreed. And then my will story is chasing this guy. You know he plays a lot of nice golf courses, competing for club championships at, at a lot of them. He came up to uh, Cobblestone in, in Atlanta one night for a new club match, and uh, it was kind of in the early, like late winter, early spring. And the sun is going down, and we are in a battle of a match. We got like me and him, and probably a four handicap and a six handicap, and we are chasing daylight. And we played, the match was so great. It was back and forth. And it's like, it was one of those where like putts go in and you're pointing at each other and you're laughing at each other. It was so fun. And so it's pitch black on 16. <laughs> and we're like, all look at each other. It's like, all right, well, we can't see the golf ball, but we're still playing, right? And we played three holes in the pitch black and it was so funny. I mean, we lost, you know, three or four balls each, but, <laughs> but we sure, sure as heck got to that last hole and there was a putt uh, to win it. And, and it went in and we all hooting and hollering. And it was just little things like that make you feel like a kid again. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. that's, that's the stuff that I think competition also brings out is, um, you're, you're chasing it and, uh, it's, it's great. Yeah. Put you in that playful mindset. Yeah. Well, thanks. Anything, any other reflections or good to wrap for this week on the bag drop? I uh, mean, just, if you're, if you're reluctant at all to give it a try and you've been thinking about competitive golf again, whatever that means, just do it. Just lean into it. Embrace the discomfort because it leads to stories like that, right? It leads to those sort of things. And I say that as someone that falls in and out of love with competitive golf and I have to check myself because I forget why I'm doing it and then I don't want to do it, but then I realize I'm unfulfilled because I'm not doing it. 
So I'm not saying like I'm just someone that just always wants to tee up, play competitively, but I always know it's better when I embrace it and lean into it and do it. Even when I lose repeatedly or win repeatedly, it's still, there's something special and unique about that. And, and to your point, the one last point, four ball, best part of the game. Why match <laughs> play also should be brought back, like bring four ball back, bring match play back, back. Like we need more of that in the American scene because there is nothing more true to the game than those formats. Purest form. And I'll do four ball. Purest form yeah, of but competition. Either four ball and foursomes, I'll, you know using four ball there liberally in terms of meaning both of both of those. Yeah. Well, if you need a partner this year, you know, let me know. Um, Let's look we'll, at the schedule. We'll see. We might work that out. <laughs> uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Again, we developed the bag drop at newclub.golf. If you got contributions or questions or want to come on the show, shoot us a note. There's uh, a whole thing to still uncover in this game of golf. And we love doing it here on the bag drop. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, follow the pod if you can. It's super helpful for us. And massive thanks again to Titleist for supporting the show. Uh, there's some other, there's some illusion. We alluded to some cool things with Titleist coming up here this year uh, on that show. Will's Will's description of some of the fittings and other experiences. But uh, thank you to them. And, um, you know, the two, no, new Titleist T-Series irons. They're out. They're hot. Everybody's, I was looking in. The, uh, the pebble list hmm. uh, I just love I'm fascinated by how people get hybrid sets and what irons are playing through what club I still want to selfishly transition to hybrids but we'll see thanks everybody we'll catch you on the next one